Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Walsh Wednesday. And what a very special episode this is, especially to me. This is an episode a long time coming. Probably should have happened way sooner, but I am so happy that finally getting to sit down and have this episode. We have award-winning singer-songwriter, guitarist, and the person who got me on my musical and magical journey this has all been, Helen Avakian. Helen, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Hi, Connor. So great to see you again. Uh, we were just talking about this a moment ago. It's probably been about two years since we've seen each other in person now. It has been. And I love that you're doing a podcast. And I will tell you this, I've never been on a podcast before, but I've listened to many. I love them and I love yours. So it's a, really an honor and it's very exciting to me to be on my first ever podcast. Heck yes. I'm honored. Your first podcast. <laughs> That's fun to me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. So thanks. Now, I want to talk about the songs that you're going to be showing us today. Uh, can you tell us, tell us a little bit about the first song you're going to be showing us, Wilma's Waltz? Sure. Well, this is actually one of my recent songs. Uh, my partner, Dave, his mother is 87 years old. And as soon as Dave was ever able to get uh, the vaccine, you know, he likes got a plane ticket. She lives in North Carolina to go down. And then I was able to get the vaccine a few weeks later. So then I got a plane ticket. We went down in May and we were there for Mother's Day, which was just so nice because we hadn't seen her in a long time and she's such a mom she like basically had a banquet waiting for us when we got there i'm not kidding she made desserts new desserts every like she's a mom she like is there any other way needs us and makes special desserts and took us strawberry picking and made strawberry pie i mean she couldn't have been she's amazing so anyway i was like we should write her a song we have to you know like i've been thinking this for a while again this is one of those songs that hasn't gotten written because i was like i was going to write her one for her birthday i didn't do it she's actually painted pictures of me she paints i'm like we have to make a song for her so anyway finally i'm like i'll, I'll write an instrumental because i wasn't the lyrics weren't i don't know it was a big topic and i wasn't really getting the lyrics so i was like okay mother stays in two days like at least write an instrumental. So I did, and I was really, I liked it. It's called Wilma's Waltz. And then I uh, showed it to Dave and gave him some things to do. And he also came up with some of his own things. And so that's the story of Wilma's Waltz. Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And I think y'all will enjoy it very much as well. So for you guys to enjoy, this is a wonderful rendition, live rendition here, going right into it. This is Wilma's Waltz by Helen Vakian accompanied by Dave Irwin.
so yes, you no, you essentially got me on my journey into music. I took a group class with you when I was in fourth grade. Fourth I grade. You, you were one of the kids. Oh yeah. You and a bunch of kids. That was a big summer class, as I remember. Right after that, got into the private lessons and did that for several years. Definitely up till high school, and then high school I got very busy with good number of things oh my gosh I'm always busy but always stayed in touch with uh for the guitar parties did sound and also you were one of the very first places that I regularly did sound too so you you gave me a lot of great opportunities I love that yeah yeah it was so wonderful to stay in touch and have you come do the guitar parties every year that was fantastic you were writing songs from the beginning I remember you'd bring in a notebook with these and I remember when you did your first, you know, original in the guitar party, I think it was like your second or third guitar party. And it was so great. Everybody loved it. In fact, one of the other students wrote a song. She was inspired that you wrote a song. So she went and wrote a song, oh, wow. one of the other kids. So, yeah, it's just been wonderful just to see your journey and uh, to have had some part in it is really special. And I'm, I'm so glad. I think you've been mentioned and name dropped on this podcast at least a half dozen times. So it's only, it only makes sense that you're, that you're finally here. Since we're on the topic of it, Guitar Party, could you tell us what you did with that Guitar Party? That was uh, at Dutchess Community College in uh, New York when you yes. were still living here in New York. Oh, yes. Well, they were twice a year and we'd either be in a theater or we'd be in the Ritz Lounge and we'd set up full sound and... You know, what happened, at first I would do the sound, and then eventually uh, Jeff Baker, who was running theater when we were in the theater, was like, you know, I could help you. You don't have to do it. I was like, okay, great. So he would help. Shout out to Mr. Baker. Love that guy. Yeah. Oh, yes. And then he started helping my students, because that, like you, and there was uh, Anthony Perry. uh, I remember the two of you did sound a few times, and then there was Ben Foster. Anyway, a number of my students who had been with me or were still with me, ended up doing sound, and that was great. Because, yeah, some of them maybe were not taking guitar, but they came back and did sound. You and Anthony did it. and be- Yeah, it was just so nice to have that assurance. It made such a difference. It made it, the party easy because they were big. We'd have two in one day. They were like an hour and a half each. Sometimes one would end, and we'd practically be blending into the next one. <laughs> And we'd have like 100 people in the audience, you know, and it was all ages, all levels, people, you know, starting with as little as 10 weeks experience in an intro class up to people who've been playing, you know, like one of my students was with me for 25 years, Steve Olenek, um, someone like that, who'd been playing even longer than I had, actually, when he's started taking lessons with me because I was I was really young when I started teaching in New York. So anyway, yeah, the guitar parties were so special and then we'd always have food and just, yeah, little kids to retired people, college students, teenagers, 10-year-olds, everything. And sharing their music, which could be anything from original songs like you did, instrumentals, classical. We had a lot of classical, a little bit of flamenco. We had a lot of Taylor Swift there for a while. We had, you know, pop songs. We had Zombie by the Cranberries. The intro class would do a oh, lot of yep. That was a, and, that was a uh, system of the down. I remember one time I did that with one of my heavy metal oriented students. So we'd have some heavy metal. It was just everything. Jazz, Brazilian. It was, it was cool. And it was always such a welcoming experience, you know, especially for the 10 year old like me coming into it and, you know, seeing everybody so talented, but it was so welcoming. It was hospitable. It was it just everybody came together 
so yes. well. And it was just a very warm environment. And one thing that you that you brought to the table was uh, you were very nurturing too. And everybody, regardless of their skill level, I've talked to people who say that they took lessons in piano or guitar or whatever, and they kind of forced into a box. But you really gelled and molded things to the experience that the student wanted to have. And I feel like that is, is something that shouldn't be passed over, shouldn't, shouldn't be looked over. That's really incredible. And I feel like a lot of people grew and developed so much because of that. So on behalf of all of them and myself, thank you for offering that as part of your experience. Well, thank you. I really wanted to try to provide that. And I'm really, I'm glad that, that that's how you experienced it. Because I noticed when I was learning with piano and guitar that especially if I got a song that I really was excited, you know, that I liked, you know, something I heard on the radio or just something I just really liked, I would practice it more. And so I just was always trying my best to, and I still do, provide that experience for everybody to give them. I mean, I want everyone to get a solid technical foundation so that they can then achieve what they're looking to achieve with what they're playing. But we always had music along with that foundation work. So I try to put both into a lesson and emphasize the music the most, actually, because I think that's where we learn so much. And that's where, you know, maybe the immediate gratification comes in. So, yeah, that's what I really try to do. I still do. And believe it or not, I have had three guitar parties now on Zoom. Hey, very cool. Yes. Glad to hear that that still lives on even in the virtual stage. Yes, and I've, I'm up to two guitar parties again, like I had two uh, just back in May. No, that's awesome. That's great to hear. As you said, when you would find a song and wanted to learn, and that was how you got going on your journey as well. Let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back in time. What was it that got you on your musical journey? What got you started in guitar? And what made you realize you wanted to be a songwriter and an educator? What got you into this path? As a little kid, even just loved to sing. Absolutely loved it. I'd be like the little toddler screaming at the top of their lungs when we're singing the song you know always loved any kind of musical anything and then when I was I wanted to play piano really badly if we went to somebody's house and they had a piano I'd try to play on it and so then eventually at age seven convinced my parents that to you know get a piano and start me and my younger sister on lessons so I did that for a couple of years I will confess I did not practice very much I didn't really totally understand the connection <laughs> And I had a really nice teacher. She definitely was not a taskmaster, though. So I learned a lot from her. Suddenly, at age nine, I just wanted to play guitar. And I don't even know why, but it just seemed cool. It was portable. You could sit around with your guitar. And I liked it. And so my mom found me this teacher, Judy Kay. Loved it, loved it, and kept going. And then in high school, I made some friends who played. We played together in folk kind of situations and coffee houses at school and started doing some little performances. Um, my mom was doing pottery at the time and doing some art shows, so she'd be, have me and my friend, we had a little duo, and she would have us uh, play at her art shows. So sometimes nobody would even be in the room. We'd be sitting there doing our, you know, we'd play like, we did a lot of like 60s. We really were like 60s hippie throwbacks kind of. <laughs> so we were doing like Neil Young songs and Cat Stevens and all this kind of thing, and we'd be playing and maybe nobody would even be in the room and we'd be kind of laughing. But then we, you know, we just developed a, a lot of repertoire, the Beatles, Joni Mitchell. I just loved all that. Uh, we did all this harmony. And, and then I went to college and 
by the sophomore year, I was a music major at University of Delaware, actually. And then I saw this thing about Hunter College. I'm studying in New York, hanging in a hallway, junior year in New York, when I was taking a practice break at University of Delaware. And I said, hmm, that looks interesting. So I looked into it, and I ended up going to New York City to Hunter College, which I'd never heard of, but turns out is a huge, really well-respected university, part of the city university system. At the time, they had an arrangement with Manus College of Music, which is a world-renowned conservatory, kind of like Juilliard and Manhattan School of Music. It's not quite as well-known as Juilliard, but people from all over the world came there. And just as it turned out, they had this little building really near Hunter College, which had a big building and a big theater, so the people at Manus didn't have enough room for their orchestra to perform on a stage, so they used Hunter's stage. And then they made an arrangement where students at Hunter could go study at Manus and students at Manus could study at Hunter. So I went up to Manus. So I had not only the huge diversity, large university experience, but also the conservatory experience. I took the guitar ensemble class there. I took um, my private teacher was there for part of it. Jazz and commercial arranging, which was really hard for me, but an amazing course taught by Joel Rabel. Basically, I just kept doing music in college. That was the thing I liked the most. Um, I, I originally was thinking about English, sociology, psychology, music. I don't know if I could have had what it takes, but I just kept at it, you know? Thank God you did. <laughs> Thank you. I even built a guitar when I was in college. I needed a summer job, so I'm like, maybe this guy could use some help sweeping the floor. And maybe if I can't do music, maybe I could build guitars. Mm. So I was, or, or work as a guitar repair person. And so I was going to ask him if he needed any, like someone to sweep the floor during the summer or something like that, this man named Bob Ross. And I did that, I kind of roundabout said, well, how did you get into this work? And he said, oh, well, I apprenticed with somebody. And then I said, oh, did you ever take an apprentice? And he said, yes, I do. In fact, I have an apprentice leaving. I have space for a new one this summer. So I became his apprentice, which meant I didn't have a job. I actually paid him, but it was very reasonable to build, learn how to build my own guitar. So he taught me how to build the guitar. And when I learned in this, I learned a lot. I didn't quite learn what I expected. I did build a guitar that I still have, but I actually was not very good at woodworking. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of experience. I was scared of the power tools. He was not a very patient teacher, and I was super sensitive, so I'd be like, he'd like say something, and I'd be like, ooh, you know, really upset, even though I don't think he meant to upset me, but he's a little bit of a hard-edged guy. Mm -hmm. Luckily, there was another guy there at the same time apprenticing with me, and um, he would help me. Like, <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, Bob would leave me leave us to our... So he was kind of like, yeah, you know, you can work on your own, too. He was a little like, didn't want to be bothered with us, almost. So me and my friend Herb, who's a really close friend, still my dear friend to this day, would help me, and, and we made it. We finished our guitars. It was quite an adventure. I learned a lot. I watched this man with his business, you know, what he did. George Thorogood, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he came in, you know, for guitars. He did work on George's oh, wow. guitars. Yeah, it was funny. I remember when we came in, he was like, Bob was like, now, guys, don't get all crazy with George, you know? And we're like, okay, we won't. So we acted really like we could care less, you know? Meanwhile, we're like, oh, George, they're good. Anyway, so we had some interesting experience. A lot of interesting. It was a great learning experience all around. And um, at the time, a bit stressful. But in the end, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I learned that maybe I can't really repair guitars. I think I better stick with playing. So that's what I did. And then when I was studying classical guitar uh, at Hunter, I developed an injury getting ready for my senior recital. So I was like, oh man, it was already a long shot. Maybe I can't even do this, whatever. But by that time I was doing some little gigs in New York City, like playing background music in like a Cafe Figaro and 
And I really had always liked singing and playing too, and I kind of laid that to the side while I was studying the classical guitar because it's so intensive. But when I had the injury, I was like, well, maybe I can start singing and playing. And at that time, Suzanne Vega was actually becoming really popular in New York mm. City. And some other people, I, you know, and I'd see these street performers sometimes, you know, singing and playing. Like there was a woman on the Staten Island Fair. She was really good. She'd do like Madonna songs, like, but with acoustic guitar and Cindy Lauper. And I loved that because at that time, really not, you know, acoustic guitar was not very popular. It was in pop songs. It was very mm. much more of, you know, synths and that kind of, you know, keyboards and, and electronic kind of music. So Anyway, so that then I started songwriting because I had this injury. I'm like, well, why don't I start writing songs and writing music? That's what I really want to do. So I started writing songs and writing some instrumentals too. And then just kept, again, I just kept at it. I persevered. I was offered a full scholarship to Hunter for a master's degree in classical guitar performance. So I took that and that was really nice. So during that time, I also took poetry with Audre Lorde, who it turns out is a really famous poet who I'd never heard of, but she's actually a really well-known, amazing poet. So I in my master's program, I'm like, what is the closest thing I can do to songwriting? Oh, poetry class. So I took, and I was so lucky I ended up with her. That class was another one that just amazing class. Just all these talented writers and poets helped me with my lyrics, helped me understand poetry so much better. Even wrote a song about Audre Lorde. And then I just kept at it. When I graduated, I ended up moving up to the Poughkeepsie area with uh, my well, the man who became my husband, Terry Champlin, amazing classical guitarist and songwriter. And then I started, te I actually already started teaching in high school. I even had a couple little kids, you know, that needed a guitar. Their guitar teacher left, so I taught them. And in college, I was in a teaching program at University of Delaware. They actually had a Saturday morning program that I was invited to be a teacher there. So it was like students teaching and learning how to teach. I think the people who were in it didn't really have to pay us. They kind of got free lessons and we got some training and just kept teaching too. And that was what I did after I graduated with my master's degree in classical guitar performance. I was started my practice. I, I taught for other people, uh, organization down in um, Westchester County. I went to students' homes and ended up managing for an organization called Musical Associates. Then I got tired of going to people's homes. I wanted to be, and my friend actually had a, had a job at Duchess teaching class. She's like, oh, I think the man, you know, the head of the music department really wants classes. So I was like, oh, I wanted to teach a guitar performance ensemble because I had these students, adult students, you know, in Poughkeepsie because I was teaching half my time in Poughkeepsie at very Poughkeepsie Music Shop at my house, whatever, and then also down in Westchester a couple days a week. So I was like, oh, maybe I could teach close to home, teach to a college. That'd be really awesome. So I applied and I brought in this guitar performance idea ensemble because I had these two students in particular who, uh, the one who studied with me for 25 years, actually, Steve Olenek, and then this woman, Tammy, and they both were really good classical guitars and good guitars. I was like, maybe they could like play duets together. That would be helpful for them. And but they never wanted to do it on their own, you know. And so I said, okay, I'm going to make this class. And they both joined it, which was great. Steve took every time I taught the class. I taught it for like 15 years. He was in every single semester and and I had so many wonderful people come in through that class so that was my foot in the door and then I was like well while I'm at it why don't I teach a kid's intro to guitar why don't I teach an adult intro guitar and you know it just grew from there so it just keeps building and building and building yeah so that was a wonderful and Duchess they kind of just let me design whatever I wanted to do and just the more people who came in the happier everybody was and I met so many people through there just incredible and then I, and then one of my students actually was an activities director at Marist 
So she got me into the program over there. I was teaching three hours of classes over there to the college students, which was really nice, too. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I always used to think, oh, I should, you know, I'm not one of these people who knows they want to be a musician since they're a little kid. Like, I had a lot of things I wanted to be or thought of being. But music was the one that really stuck, and I just kept going. So probably it's wasn't the one t- that stuck around the entire time. It, regardless of yeah. whatever came at you, that was the yeah. one thing that remained each and every time. After a while, you invest so much time and energy into your practice. Like, if I don't keep practicing and performing, I'm going to forget all those things I knew, and that and then I would have... That just seemed like tragic to me. So, <laughs> see, see, some people wouldn't always see it as tragic. Some people would be like, "Ah, say la vie." So the fact that you had that, you know, <laughs> that shows it shows, and it grew and developed the way that you've gone about doing it, a very humanistic and altruistic way too. Because wherever you went, it just seemed like there was a phenomenal community around you all at the same time. Whether you joined it and then it flourished, or uh, you created it and it was. And that's really awesome to see. And that's a very unique ability to have. Well, Dutchess Community College was so good to me. I mean, that community was just phenomenal. I mean, I still like, you know, I'm in touch with you. I'm in touch with a bunch of people. We've had our Helena Vakian's Guitar Party benefit concerts at the Town Crier to benefit. I remember those. Those were good. Yeah. And we had like, last time we had like 21 people on stage. It was huge. So I'm just so grateful to that whole, the Dutchess Community College experience was priceless but out here I've started you know it's been a little slower when I got out here I started more touring and performing which was always a dream for me to kind of be a full-time performer which is awesome yes please tell us a little bit about that the like to tour before COVID tell tell us Uh, about that it was great I mean I loved it it was a lot of driving and some sleep deprivation but that's just been the story of my life anyway but um I learned to take a pillow in the car. Here's a little tip for you when you're touring. Because, you know, I mean, some people are camping or whatever. I mean, I would stay at people's houses or hotels. So anyway, but I learned that bring a pillow in the car. Because then when you really need a nap at a roadside place, you just have your pillow ready to go. Yes, thank goodness for rest stops. They are our saving graces. I know all the rest stops, like in all... This great one in Iowa and this awesome one, you know, it's crazy. And the ones I don't... know them just as much as the venues that you go to. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. And, um, and I mean, I will be back doing that again. But um, also, like I went from doing that, and then I started doing a little bit of teaching and and build it up slowly. I was teaching for Guitar Center for a while, just actually finished with that. Uh, Taught for them for quite a while, just a couple days a week. And then I was doing my own home business, like in because I lived like 25 miles away. Anyway, doing a home building a home business I really started building it in 2019 actually a home studio in Sun Prairie and then I moved to Mineral Point which is this little town about 50 miles west of Madison so now I have the Mineral Point music studio well it's actually the Red Door studio um, because we have a red door on our house once the COVID thing hit I went totally went it went in like literally a day I went from in person to online lessons Um, thank goodness for Zoom I learned how to use it in one day, you know, just like Good. in an hour or something, because I had a I had a group class that was supposed to meet, and I was like, I don't want to let this group class go. So I got everyone on Zoom. There was one person, an older guy, who didn't want to do the you know, online, but everybody else stuck with the program, and we all did met on Zoom. And so ever since, I've just been doing all these Zoom lessons with people from all over Colorado, Delaware, um, yeah, as far as west as Colorado, Iowa, 
as far east, you know, and south as Delaware, and a bunch of people from New York. Some of my former Duchess students from New York ended up joining me here. No, it's great. And even got new people a little bit in New York, Long Island. You know, it's just been amazing. It's so. funny, something that really shut people out in so many ways also gave people new options to branch out in ways that probably wouldn't have been not necessarily possible, but wouldn't necessarily thought of as much. So definitely opened up some new avenues for you. It did. And I'd taken some classes on Zoom. Um, And so actually, I would like to expand that eventually and have more groups meeting on Zoom, you know, doing some of the things, some songwriting and more performance classes and I've been thinking of doing an improvisation type of class, you know, because a lot of people I meet, I meet people who improvise and they love it and they do it well. And then there's like, it seems like it's hard to get the in-between. And then I have people who are like kind of scared to even try because in school, we're not always really taught to be creative as much as to, you know, learn these facts and be able to know them for the test or, you know, think about things or read things or write about things. But do we really, you know, unless you take the poetry class, like the poetry class I took at Hunter sticks in my mind so much because it was like one of the only classes where I really created at all. To have those creative outlets really are important and they do stay with you. Those things are uh, very imperative. Um, not just in the arts, but just in general for uh, creative thinking, uh, problem solving, it opens up whole whole new levels and doors that you know you just wouldn't have without having it would be hard to ex- uh, access. You know, so no, sure. definitely being creative as a practice, just like you know everything. But as you were saying, you've you've written a lot of great stuff. The your if I got my dates right, notes. From Helen was the last uh, your album, like last yeah. album that you put out, other than like the co-writes that you've done. That was right. the last one that you've done, and then before that was, um, oh gosh, I'm trying. I, I I I love the moon was right before that, right? Yes, that was 2007. That was a long time ago. Eight. 2008. Oh, I was close. I was close. You were close. I'm impressed. Connor, you know your Helen Ovakian. Uh, oh, I know your catalog. Yes. You know my catalog. Phenomenal albums, and I recommend anybody to check those out. You can find those on our website, which I will link in the description. Um, so, no, the, the, uh, very, very good stuff. And as you said, you've uh, worked with a number of songwriters in those regards. So, But, yeah, uh, as you said, you've been dealing with the uh, injury, and you've been taking lessons to try to work your way through it. Uh, can you tell, go into that a little bit more and tell us just about the overall importance to maintain and watch one's uh, health as they are a musician and the importance that is in, you know, keeping up with their skills and longevity through it? Absolutely. Thanks for asking that. Because this is a place where I've had my stumbles a number of times over the years. As I said, in college was my first injury. I got like a neck and shoulder injury from too much tension when I played. You know, I got it when I was getting ready for my senior recital and I really stepped up my practice. And, you know, at that time it was like, yeah, you should be practicing at least four to six hours a day and blah, blah. And I was like thinking, and so I tried to like do all those four hours in one sitting, which was not a good idea. So first of all, I even have in my intro to guitar book, which I put, you know, one of the things is after 45 minutes, take a break. Uh, make sure you take regular breaks. 
Make sure you get adequate sleep. This is one uh, that I still am working Musician on. Musician sleep? What? I, my guitar teacher literally will be like, because I used to sometimes, last summer, I would sometimes get drowsy during lessons because I, and he would be like, uh, you know, did you get enough sleep? You should get sleep. And I'd be like, what's better to do, practice or sleep? And he'd say, sleep. And I was like, really? You know, if you had to make the choice. So I've actually, that's been helpful. Still could be better with it mindful practice rather than just like sitting trying in some ways I used to even say let's try to be mindless in that you know if you have the skill down well enough you don't really have to think it's sort of like your body will do it for you but mindful in that as you're doing it even if your body's doing it like how's your arms feeling how's your neck feeling how are you seated yes are you balanced do you have good balance with your skeleton another thing i'm learning about which is like there's a whole thing called body mapping where you actually like look at your skeleton and how it's put together and then learn to work with your skeleton movement wise so that um you feel it, it feels great like when i'm in the zone of doing the practices which have to do with like understanding the skeleton looking at the skeleton looking at pictures anatomical pictures you can actually like palpate your arm and feel it. So that's been a big thing, like just even just how to rotate the forearm. How anyway, so I could go into lots of detail, but I'll try to try to get away. The other thing is the injury that I'm dealing with is called focal dystonia, and it it happens when your neural pathways blur kind of so that you move one thing and other things move that you don't expect and you like kind of my manifestation is my right hand um, has become weird like um and it started like a long time ago i started noticing it and then it got it wasn't really bothering me i just looked in the mirror and i'd see myself playing and i'd be like wow my index fingers kind of points out sometimes when i do a tremolo huh that's weird but it didn't seem to anyway but as the years went on it, it, i started noticing wow my ring finger i don't really feel like i can trust it like i used to and you know mm. anyway so and then things just you know slowly just got more like weird and not as not you know I want to do this but my hand does something else um so and that reason that that can happen is if you're just practicing too much you know probably mindlessly not mindfully if you don't know the body mechanics which aren't taught you know hadn't been taught to me some certain ones you know I was like sit up straight sit up tall but even sitting up straight there's like more to it than that it's not like you want to be in a rigid you want to be balanced with your head balanced on your neck, on the front of your spine, on your... And I didn't know that it was the front of our spine that carries the weight. I guess I thought it was the back, if I thought about it at all. Again, these kinds of things. No, but very good things to know about. So, yeah, and all these things, yeah. I love what you said about being mindful about it. Uh, mindfulness has been a big thing that I've been trying to focus on with this podcast in so many other things. This is the very first time really bringing mindfulness into a practicing field. And I feel that's very necessary. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, just being aware of all that, the awareness to everything going on during your practice. Sure, it's great to have that muscle memory. But to be aware of what's going on in your body, how you're feeling and all that is something, you know, a lot of musicians will sacrifice in oh, the means do. to try to get forward. I've seen so many colleagues like through college who are hurting themselves like crazy because they're pushing their bodies further than it can, uh, they can go. Just like if you're doing a sport, you know, when athletes 
are pushing their bodies to the limits. Musicians, same thing. You have to be aware. You have to be conscious of these things. Right. And even more than athletes in a way, I think, because athletes know at least they have to. I think athletes, well, here's another thing, like my teacher, Gerald Harsher says, you know, what do musicians do for a living? They move for a living. Yeah. But I don't think we think of that. We don't think of ourselves as athletes as much, I don't think, in a way. Like our training is we sit and we play and we stand and we play, but whatever. But we might not think about our whole body needs to be in shape to be able to even do the sitting and playing and, you know, standing, whatever. The more we can kind of, and also guitar is kind of asymmetrical. So if you're a guitarist doing an asymmetrical activity, like for hours and hours, I think that has some effect as well. And yeah, and how many times you, you know, you practice like, well, my shoulder's so tired, you know, tired. It's like, because we've been holding our shoulder and we didn't realize. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're thinking about these things at your younger age, because again, this wasn't really something that we thought about or, or were taught, except if, if it's something happened and, you know, you had to, and then it was almost like shameful, you know, to have an injury. It felt a little, feels a little that way to yeah. have an injury. It's like, well, I'm supposed to know so much. I'm this, you know, but I did, you know, but on the other hand, then if you do look at it like an athlete, they have injuries all the time. So it's kind of normal. Exactly. But one thing that athletes have over musicians, I feel like the overall concept of physical therapy and where they need to turn to athletic related injuries, you kind of have a better sense of where to go, which leads me into my question. Hmm. Where did you go? How did you know to look into this? And what were the steps that you took to, you know, (laughs) take control of uh, your health? That's a great question because it was a very long and still sometimes it felt hopeless process. Um, I didn't know what was going on at first. I didn't know what it was. Um, I knew the symptoms were happening. And especially like in 20, actually I, I won the competition when I was getting ready for the competition. I know, you know, and before that, I was noticing it. So I started isolating my right hand and just practicing right hand, which I'd never done before, you know, like playing a piece just the right hand. Yeah. So you don't, like the notes would sound different because you're not fretting the note, you know what I mean? So that was kind of weird. Yeah. I recorded the notes from Helen after I won this competition. Um, and then I, oh yeah, the, I guess we didn't talk about it. It's the International Fingerstyle Guitar Championship. I won that which was great. And then I um, made an album notes from Helen after that with, you know, some of those finger style pieces, but I was starting to get this problem. And so it was really, you know, when I'd perform, it was really scary because it's like, is my hand going to work? I noticed it got worse like into 2015. And then I noticed, Oh, if I'm cold, it's worse. If I'm ten- you know, tension made it worse. And then the tension of, is it going to be bad when I'm performing? What can I, you know, something I could do in practice, but suddenly my hand goes weird. I'm performing what's going to happen. So there's a lot of sort of tension with that happening, which is also one of the things that actually makes it worse. You know, it's a circle. So finally, I I ran into somebody, a a classical guitar. There's a Madison Classical Guitar Society member, a man who's really cool guy. Anyway, he um, owns a stereo store in Madison, you know, the old times. And he had his thumb was kind of like collapsed. Like he couldn't use his thumb. He would play with his other fingers, but not his thumb. And Mm. I was telling him, I'm like having these weird things. Nobody seemed to know what it was. And I'd gone back and doubled down on some of my old, like, right-hand exercises, but it seemed worse. Like, it was good if I played slow, but it got worse, and then I'd get mad at myself, you know, and i noticed my fingers, this middle fingers curling in, which is a classic symptom. It was it was years, though. He, he told me about focal dystonia, and I was like, oh, he said, it sounds like focal dystonia. So I looked it up online, and I said, oh, my gosh, I think that's what it is. And some people got cured by ret- retraining you know, slow and long. And I, yeah, anyway, long story short, I, I went to 
various people had kinesiology work done. I had Alexander Technique. But the thing, and then I studied with a teacher from New York City who was somewhat helpful. Oh, I went to physical therapy, occupational therapy, a hand person, you know, a surgeon guy who wanted to give me a, yeah, cortisone. He wanted to do that. I made the appointment, but he was like, you can't, you can't like perform for at least two weeks. I'd like you to rest for maybe a month. And I'm like, I didn't have that time. And then I thought about it and I decided I didn't want to get it done. And yeah, then when I talked to that teacher I was having in New York at the time, he's like, oh no, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, don't get those shots. Then I got into desperation again in like 2020. I was just like, you know, I'd I'd suddenly get to a point like, oh, what am I going to do? I can't, you know, go on like this. So yeah. I did yet another internet search. I'd had periodic ones. I bought a book by David Leisner who also got over it. So his book was good, but nothing was, I mean, really it was, I had to go to a every week coach. And so when you talk about athletes, that's an interesting thing. Cause if you think of a real professional athlete, like they all have coaches Yes. But with musicians, we don't, you know, I almost was like, ah, I finished college. You know, I've taken, le- I've taken lessons also with voice and stuff on and off, but with guitar, I, I didn't really have a coach for a long time didn't think I needed one really, you know? So having him, has just been really good. And at first, you know, he was like lessons every week and an hour of practice a day and doing very slow. It's nothing that's going to be presented to the public. In the end, it's truly down, comes down to you. And that's, and that's pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, It was interesting. You mentioned the Alexander technique. I've actually studied the Alexander technique, but for singing. So I've never actually heard of it in regards to, guitar before that's that's interesting it's great for your whole life you know i mean and then this is part of my teacher also studied alexander technique we do constructive rest which is one of the alexander technique activities anyone listening who's interested you can look online on youtube there's some really good ones where they show you how to do it it's very easy to do and uh it's resting but it's called constructive because you are mindfully resting. You're in a certain uh, placement of your body. And, you, you know, the idea is to feel all your senses, your emotions, your kinesthetic sense. And also just lying in that particular placement, that position is helpful for opening your body up and making, again, that postural balance better for you. So, um, yeah, so I, I've also studied it in in connection with singing too in fact one of my alexander teachers i studied private voice lessons with an alexander teacher in new york city when i was in college for a while and yeah i went she was a vocal coach but we did a lot of alexander yeah so it's good it's all good stuff um what i like about the body mapping is that with the alexander technique they're kind of the teacher is very hands-on um i find that i'm able to achieve that same feeling of when they touch you, you know, they kind of gently, you know, prompt your body and it feels amazing. Like it feels so light and so easy, like your body's so easy to, it feels so good. Um, I've been able to achieve that same thing with this body mapping and the practices I'm doing with my teacher. Um, Playing guitar has never felt better. Good. That's, that's uh, good to hear. Yeah. So, and, and I am noticing it. I'm noticing it with everything. It's helping performing. It's helping everything really. It's a whole life thing. So, yes, very long-winded about my story. But to those of you listening, absolutely do take care of your body and realize that if you don't get sleep, you're probably not going to do your best work and you are going to be more at risk for injury. And now with COVID, you know, we're more yeah. at risk for, for illness. And you might be sick for weeks, you know. 
Whereas if you do something maybe a few minutes a day or 20 minutes a day, I mean, you, you're going to feel so much better all over. Your whole life is going to feel better, and you hopefully are preventing lots of things that would be very time-consuming, very expensive. You know, going to all these therapists, doctors, coaches is expensive in money, in time, you know. I mean, yes. it's worth it, completely worth it. But then also, yeah, that journey was frustrating because you're like, if I invest in this, is it going to really pay off, you know? Of course. No, definitely. And I'm glad that we had this discussion. I think that's very necessary to a lot of musicians out there and to anybody listening. I think it could be a really important wake up call. So, Helen, you alluded to this already, but let's uh, let's backtrack and talk about it a little bit. Uh, You mentioned that in 2014, you won the International Fingerstyle Guitar Championship. Which this is true. <laughs> I did want to say one more quick thing about the yes, health. Issues. Of course. If anybody's having like problems with their, you know, um, guitar playing or whatever, they think they have a focal dystonia symptom and they're welcome to contact me and I will try to help you. I, I actually found my teacher through someone on, on YouTube. I saw him. I saw the teacher on YouTube, but I also saw this man who talked about his focal dystonia. Whatever, you know, this long months after, you know, taking lessons and he would like play and it was like wow he's doing things I can't do right now and so like consult he actually on his website talks about his focal dystonia journey and welcomed people to contact him and I contacted him and it was actually he kind of gave me that final push to you know make the investment in in the lessons I'm doing now um so I'd be happy if anybody um is concerned to try to direct you or at least talk to you you know if you want some help because it this particular problem, it's pretty prevalent, but it, I mean, it's rare, but at the same time, it's not as rare as it used to be, and, and it can be so time-consuming, and sometimes people are told there's no cure and there's nothing you can do, so I think there is a cure. Um, my, this person is has no symptoms anymore of the focal dystonia. No, so. that's beautiful. And if you want to reach out to Helen uh, to learn more, we'll have all that information written in the description for you. Okay. Anyway, Sorry. We yeah, can go not back a problem. To the International Fingerstyle Guitar Championship, if you'd like. Yes, no, um, quite an amazing feat for what you had there, and uh, just would love to hear a little bit more of the story of how you got into it and just the championship overall. Sure. So the International Fingerstyle Guitar Championship is a contest that's held at the Walnut Valley Festival every year. The festival, I think, has been going on since 1979. The festival itself has been going on since '72. And um, it's also known as the Bluegrass. And they get artists from all over the world who perform at the, at the festival. And as part of the festival, they have contests. They have a flat picking contest for guitar and the finger style and hammer dulcimer. Anyway, all these instruments, you know, but they're sort of in the bluegrass and folk and acoustic music. It's, it's uh, in that genre, but it's a very wide palette shall we say, especially the fingerstyle guitar championship, like the flat picking you would contest, you would play like a more uh, fiddle tune type, you know, or the flat bluegrass style. Um, but for the fingerstyle, you can play anything you want. You could write your own piece. You could play uh, a lot of people do their own pieces. A lot of people do um, arrangements. When I won, I did an arrangement of Rhapsody in Blue and mm. Sign Sealed Delivered by Stevie Wonder, hey. Ashokan Farewell, and what was the other? Oh, Zombra, this flamenco piece. So it's rare to hear flamenco. That was a little different. 
generally, you know, but you'll hear these amazing, you know, players who come from all over the world. So I started going out. I'd heard about it for many years from reading Acoustic Guitar Magazine. And I was always kind of curious about it. A friend of mine went and competed, actually. He was my former boss for the Westchester Musical Associates place where I used to teach. And he went one year and competed and um, thought it was cool. And so I decided to finally, you know, I was like, ah, you know, I'd like to do, get my career going better, you know, how can I get more recognition, what could I do, why don't I try this contest, you know, so I applied to be in it, and the application process is weird, you have to, like, call up, and they take the first 40 people who, like, get to them, oh, wow. and, you know, like, all these great people, but anybody could really call, make the call, but, um, anyway, but then, then they take anybody after that, they, like, put you in this pool of, extras and then if you show up you may get to play if some of the 40 people don't show up so and generally believe it or not not all the 40 people show up and so pretty much if you've signed up in advance you'll get in but you sign up in january and they don't even have the contest till september oh wow and so what the one the first year i signed up they're like yeah you're like number 80 and i'm like i'm not going all the way to kansas to not perform so i didn't go then the next year i signed up I was like number 75, but then like, I don't know, a month or two before the contest, I saw they had a songwriting competition. Hmm. So I decided to enter that and I won. Hey. I won. Yeah. I was runner up in two categories and one, one category, there's like 10 categories. So I was like, all right, I won. I'm going and I'll compete, you know, and hopefully I'll get in the fingers, finger picking. In fact, I, even that year I signed up for the flat picking cause they said, well, we've got room in the flat picking if you want to sign. So I signed up for that one, even though I didn't. And I started like practicing for it and trying to learn all these bluegrass. It was pretty fun. But anyway, once I won, and then there was a conflict with. Anyway, long story short, I dropped out of the flat picking. I went and did the showcase, and I did compete in the uh, finger picking championship. And I, it was amazing, and and the people I met were wonderful. And I did not even come close to the finals, but I did pretty well. And people really encouraged me. And I even, you know, this guy, Stephen Kaufman, who had won the flat picking three times. Mm. And I was studying out of his books. And he's like a big celebrity to me. I mean, he's an amazing player. And literally, I got to Kansas. I'd never been to Kansas. I was super excited to, like, go to Kansas, you know. And I get there. And I see this guy in, like, a cowboy hat. And he's got all these CDs. I was like, oh, that must be an artist for this, this thing. Anyway, I looked at him carefully, and I saw he had this box that said Mel Bay, and I was like, I bet that's his CDs. I looked at him carefully, I'm like, that's Stephen Kaufman, that's the guy, I've been watching his DVDs, you know, this is a while ago when we were watching, and I'm like, so I followed him, <laughs> I'm like, he was running out to the parking lot, and I hadn't even, like, gotten my baggage, and I'm like, I ran after him in the parking lot, I'm like, excuse me, are you Stephen Kaufman? And he's like, yes, hi, you know, and he's super friendly, like, people out there, they're so friendly. And he was super nice. He gave me a pick, a guitar pick. Anyway, so when I did the contest, after the contest, he and his wife came up to me like, wow, you played really well. I really enjoyed it. And it was really nice to me. So it was like the celebrity Aww. came and talked to me. And, you know, I was like hooked after that. I just, you know, the people I met, the buddies I've made there, I just had to keep going back. So kept going back. And it took me until 2014 to win. <laughs> But I went every year, and honestly, I once I saw what it was, I mean, I still was, I was considering myself more of a singer-songwriter anyway, and I, I kept entering the songwriting, and I ended up winning like eight, eight of those. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's been a great honor. I was trying to win, sort of, but I was more just like trying to just get better as, 
at my finger style and just getting a lot of inspiration from what I heard there. So, and then that led to things like playing in Ohio. I, I have a kind of play in Ohio every year at the Woodchoppers Ball, which is like a gathering of like nine finger style people from all over. The man who runs that, Brian Henke, is an amazing player who goes, he met me there and invited me. And um, it just led to so much. It totally changed my life, you know. Yeah, so anyway, I met all these amazing musicians who just come from all over the world. And so then we'd end up touring together and just, that really just opened up my whole world. So it, it worked. It did help my career a lot to leave New York and go somewhere totally different. Didn't know anybody had read about some of the people, you know, and I got to meet a bunch of people with like, you know, that I had never heard of or had heard of, you know, that, that play there. And, and, and it's the kind of place where you can meet anybody because all the artists will go to the merch table after and sign their CDs and talk to you. So I, I obviously I've knew, I knew of the uh, fingerstyle uh, championship, but I wasn't aware of those other songwriting awards. So yeah, I'm glad that <laughs> glad that we got to bring that up. I wasn't aware of those. Those are, that's awesome. That's really oh, yeah. amazing to hear. I should have told you, you can enter. Why don't you enter? You can enter and go. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. No, that sounds, it sounds like a if lot of fun. To. I mean, it'd be a good idea to try to set up some gigs around it. Cause you know, yeah. Um, but yeah. A little awareness, but I feel like everything that you just said with your story, it just goes to show what can happen when you just show up, when you're just present, when you're just there, it, you know, it goes into that mantra. You, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, you know, it's a matter of putting yourself in the situations. Uh, yes. Cause that very, that very first time it's like, ah, oh, it's not worth going out for, uh, for that. If I'm not going to be out there. And then when you do start getting out there, all these things start happening. That's, that's really amazing. And I think that's a testament to just, uh, uh, your overall drive. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's, well, that lesson I have to be reminded all the time, you know, when I started my teaching business here, that was kind of hard at first, you know, I was like, ah, I taught in New York, this should be easy. Like, but it took a little while, you know, and, and some effort on my part, you know, and some advertising and some actual, yeah. you know, um, and then, yeah, once you do it, it start, you know, and then it may take a little while, but then it starts to build up. And then once you get to a certain point, then all of a sudden you've just got a lot, a lot going on. You and know? then it feels really good. Just that it totally effect. does. Or with the songwriting, all of a sudden I'm writing with people from all over the world, you know, but it did take some like, you know, trying to find people I don't know. And, oh, would you be interested in writing together? And, you know, and some people say no and some people say yes. And, you know, and some things work out some rights, you know, some of your writing comes out better. It's just like when you start a song, you know, it's actually doing it. Some stuff will come out better than you expect. And some stuff may be disappointing and you just have to be able to live with the dis discomfort of that place, which I still get. I mean, I feel very uncomfortable when you're, you know, you're in a song and it's like, you know, you get the great idea and then you start writing. And then I don't know if I can actually, maybe this isn't as good as I thought. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I usually get to a place like that. And sometimes it takes many, many, uh, many sessions to finish the song no that's fair it's fair it, it, some stuff can get put together in a half hour and some can take years absolutely so yeah and then that's the thing too if i do the thing that takes a long time then usually though along the way other things come in at the same time so it sort of leads to a big output and uh confidence so it's um but i love your song there's a song about no and the yes the oh song yes yeah yeah, I love that song and that whole attitude with that. That's just a great, you know. After a thousand no's, it only takes one yes. Yep. Exactly. I should just put that on my wall, actually, because 
<laughs> sometimes I get a little uh, sensitive again. You have to be, you have to be we sensitive. All do. You also have to be resilient. You know what yes. I mean? Very resilient. Oh. For sure. No, I have to, I have to remind myself that all the time after a thousand no's, it only takes one. Yes. So, and I'm, I'm glad. And I, that means a lot that you think about that. I remember that song. That means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's a wonderful song. I love that song. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. my gosh. Wow. That, that, that really warms my heart. I'm blushing a little bit. I'm hiding. <laughs> oh, I can see it. Yay. That's all right. We are supposed to have emotions. That's part of, of our human experience. No, that's that's very sweet, Helen. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for all of this. All right. So, yeah. So if you can also tell us about the uh, second song that you're going to be playing, uh, Waking Up at Winfield. Can you get into that for us, please? Sure. So Winfield is the town, the small town where they have the Walnut Valley Festival, which I've been telling you about. And it's where Dave and I actually met. And Aww. yeah. And I was asked to do an early morning gig at as part of the festival, it was really early, 9.30 in the morning. And as part of it, uh, the suggestion was made, maybe we could do an improv with two other fingerstyle people. Maybe we can do an improv kind of thing. So um, no one else came up with anything, but I came up with this this idea of some chord progression, which you'll hear um, in the kind of the theme that you'll hear. We actually didn't have time to do it in our uh, our presentation, but I really liked it, so I kept it. And then worked on it kind of on and off. And, and then Dave and I worked on it together. And so here is Waking Up at Winfield in honor of an early morning gig. And we I put in the kind of finger style style that you will hear a lot there. It's sort of a bit of the Chet Atkins, um, Travis picking. For those mm. of you who are guitarists, um, you may relate to that. Or like Dust in the Wind has that kind of... Yes. Uh, Fun fact, Dust in the Wind was based off a uh, Travis picking warm-up. He was playing a warm-up, and that's how he came up with the song. I love that song so much. It's one of my favorite songs, and I play it. And one time when I was leaving the Walnut Valley Festival, I heard a uh, this man came into I was actually buying a gift in the gift shop, and he came, and he's like, a guy who worked at the airport. He's like, do you know Kansas? And the woman who's working there says, no, I don't. He's like, they're here in the airport. And I'm like, what? And I was like, Kansas is the airport. And I was like, I want to meet Kansas, you know, but I was also kind of, you know, I had that same thing. Should I try to go meet Kansas? But the part of me was scared. I started running to go meet Kansas. He's like, they were just over there. And I'm like, oh my God. So I start going and then I realized I have my luggage. I can't take my big luggage. I have to go check it. You know, so it's like, I had to go check. By the time I did all that, I missed. Oh, dang. dang. (laughs) But yes, that, that style is, yeah, very prevalent in the finger style championship contest for some of the players have this amazing, that's what they do. Um, and then, yeah, it's just one of the things that you hear a lot there. So I, I had that involved in the piece. Very, well. very cool. All right. So for you guys to check out right now, we have waking up at Winfield by Helen Avakian accompanied by David Irwin. Thank you. 
Helen, this has been absolutely amazing to have you on. I am so honored to have you on for this, and I feel like this has been really insightful. Before we leave, is there anything last minute that you want to bring up, mention? I know that you and Dave have a duo together that uh, you guys perform and do stuff. If you want to mention that and anything in regard to teaching as well. Oh, thank you. Well, yes, Dave and I finally got a name for ourselves. We've been just going as Helen Avakian and Dave Irwin, but now we call ourselves Red Door Duo, and it's because we moved to this small town last year around this time, and we bought a Victorian, 160-year-old Victorian Italian house, and it has red glass door. And so Dave was like, oh, I was thinking, what am I going to call my new studio? Instead of Sun Prairie Studio, that's not going to work anymore. So he's like, how about Red Door? And then we were thinking, we, we've been trying to come up with a name since we started playing together like six years ago. We could not do it. So anyway, we finally settled on Red Door Duo, thanks to this house, which now is called Redoria House. And as far as teaching goes, if anybody wants to meet with me in Redoria House Studio um, or at Red Door Music Studio, I am on Zoom. I'm happy to work on Zoom. I will be in person also. So if anybody's listening near Mineral Point, Wisconsin... I am going to be going back to in-person teaching. I also hopefully will be doing workshops again out on the road uh, at Walnut Valley Festival. Who knows, any festival or anywhere, you know. I, I'm very up for doing workshops. I've done a lot of, you know, just single afternoon workshops. Sometimes you do a workshop and a performance, you know, in a house concert situation. So always open for that. And, and planning to be out and about, we will be headlining the Walnut Valley Festival in September. Hey. We're, we're our first time, well, we did it last year. They had a virtual festival last year. So we sent in a video that we filmed in beautiful Mineral Point right down the street. But yes, we will be in person and planning to come out to New York and that area um, in the end of September, early October. East Coast tour. Yeah, and then we are we keep talking about making a recording, which we need to do. I need to learn. Maybe I need to consult with you. Need to learn more about recording. Want to do some at Be home. Be happy to help. Thank you. We definitely want to have it finished in a professional studio. Um, so we still are figuring that out. We have a ton of repertoire. So those are the plans and continue with the, um, the practice and the healing uh, that I spoke about. And... I, yeah, that's, that's the plan. And I do have a fantasy of starting a podcast someday. Maybe. Hey. I was even thinking of doing a Focal Dystonia for Musicians podcast. Maybe. Oh, that'd be, that'd probably be really good. I think that'd be good. Maybe, yeah, mind and health music type of thing. I don't know. Definitely. So that's a fantasy, but a thought for the future. And songwriting, of course, and recording with other artists. So. Well, hey, Anyways, if you need help with any of that, I'm, I'm here. Hit me thank up. you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm so excited to be here. And I need to congratulate you, Connor. I'm so proud as your former teacher, of course. And you were always so great to work with. And just you always had that, that composer in you and that drive. And it's just been awesome. I'll tell a little Connor story Ooh, I'm, that I'm I noticed. I remember noticing this and talking to your mom about it. And, um, you know, I noticed you had stage presence from the very beginning, the first recital. You know, you didn't know your chord. You were still kind of struggling through your chords. Oh, yeah. You played like Yellow Submarine. Yes. Yep. That was you it. got up on that stage. You looked around as you're playing. You looked so confident and you just put it out there. And that's always how you've been. Like, you've always had that. And that's just been great, you know, and, and you're really good with speaking and public speaking. I noticed that as well. Um, so anyway, congratulations. And I'm just so glad you're, you're putting your music out there. And it's great. So. Oh, thank you so Lost much. Helen. You. 
Oh, thank you so much. Yep, no, Yellow Submarine, all those years ago. That's <laughs> that's how we got started. That's how that's it all started, folks. Started. And then those songs, those songs, the one about being a performer. Yep. Oh, yeah. gosh. Haven't, yeah. played, haven't even thought of some of those songs in a long time. But uh, maybe got to dig up that old journal, see if I can rework anything. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. That would be fun, wouldn't it? But Helen, thank you so much for being here. This was absolutely, absolutely amazing to have you and to share these stories. And uh, I think this is going to be great for a lot of people to uh, tune and listen to. So thank you again so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. For Helen and I, this is Connor Walsh. This is Walsh Wednesday. And as always, we're glad we get to spend some time.